It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Today, we've got a special episode for you, a crossover with our dude, Nash Walker from Locked On Twins. We're going to talk about this pair of games and the weirdness of only playing two coming up at Great American Ballpark between the Twins and the Reds starting tonight at 7:10. Before we get into the magic of all of that though, we've got to start with the magic of the intro graphic. <laughs> The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Locked On Reds podcast. If this is your first time finding the channel on YouTube, Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss anything I've got for you. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, make sure you're following as well. You can also follow my takes on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159 for comments, questions, reactions. If you've got takes of your own you want to drop, hit me up. All right. We're going to bring him in now. He is Nash Walker. He's the host of the Locked on Twins podcast. And I don't get to talk to you very much, Nash, because we're in this whole ALNL yep. thing. And it's it's nice to get to finally bring you onto the show because I kind of missed that opportunity whenever they were in Minnesota. Sorry about that. But first of all, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Jeff. I'm good. As, as tough as this summer's been for the Twins and for Twins fans, um, you know, it's it, it has given... I think some Twins fans an opportunity, the more casual fans, to uh, focus their attention on other things. But, of course, for us, uh, we we watch every game every night, and you you roll with the punches. But, yeah, personally, great. Twins, not so great. Yeah, Minnesota Wild, and you got the Vikings coming up, so there is yep. that, I guess. Um, but when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to baseball, uh, I know that the Twins kind of had a really good year last year, and then flipped it this year. What has been the biggest difference? between the two because I kind of felt like the twins were honestly coming into this year one of the teams I kind of tabbed in the American League to really have a good season yeah I mean I think we all felt that way and certainly I felt that way coming into this year I think you got I mean it just starts and ends with the the staff the the bullpen and the rotation just nothing in, in terms of consistency and we saw with the bullpen early on leads that were blown and I'm sure you you feel this way too about the Reds bullpen at times Leads that were blown that are like Im- really impossible to blow. And n- they didn't do it once. They didn't do it twice. They've done it over and over and over again. And that only accounts for so many games. You know, the Twins, that they've lost 65 games already or something like that. So it's, it's only so many games your bullpen blows it. But it, when the, the offense showed up, the pitching staff did not. And when they'd finally get a good start or the bullpen would have a nice, nice outing, uh, the offense wouldn't show up. It was like there was no matchup earlier in the season. And they never turned it around and we kept waiting and waiting you know with good teams and sometimes when bad teams go on a really nice run you kind of think okay when is when is it going to change you know like when's this run going to happen and we looked at the schedule and I looked at the schedule so great they got 13 with the Royals and the the Orioles coming up this is this will be when they turn it around you know this is when it'll when it'll happen they end up going like seven and six in that 13 game stretch they just never turned it around 
And I think that that's a, an abject failure in itself. I think the offseason, now you look back, was a failure. Alexander Colme has been terrible. Andrelton Simmons has been really bad. Hansa Robles, they traded for a decent relief prospect, but was shaky up and down. Matt Shoemaker ended up getting DFA. Jay Happ just got moved with a six-plus ERA to St. Louis. They uh, they had a really bad offseason in terms of free agent additions, and I think that's that's where it starts. But also you have guys here who weren't producing the way that we expected, like Kenta Maeda. Um, they had a lot of health problems. Byron Buxton was great, but has been out. He's played 27 games this year. You know, he's their best player. So there's a lot of things that have gone into it. You know, you could talk all night about what's what's gone wrong with the Twins, but it really does start and end with the staff. They just haven't pitched well at all this year. They haven't played good defense. The run prevention's been awful. Yeah, I definitely can relate, especially with the bullpen side. I mean, we were looking at it the other day, and there's at least seven games you can point to that the Reds should have won, yep. but the bullpen gave it up, and they are currently seven games behind the Brewers in the division, so there you go. I don't know if that would have completely made up that gap, but you look at interesting series where they face the Arizona Diamondbacks, who our good friend Millard would tell you they're a bad team, but the Diamondbacks won five out of six against the Reds. And they, they've done terribly against the NL West. They've continued to kind of be 500, kind of be okay against the American League. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I know that the two games in Minnesota went the Reds' way. But when I look at this two-game stretch, they got Kenta Maeda in game one. It's going to be interesting to see how they deal with a couple of dudes in the lineup that they just don't know, so, some new some new faces like that. But I, I wonder where the all-around performance comes in. We saw it on Sunday against the Mets, but I feel like as much as we've seen it, we've also seen games where there are plenty of errors, there are plenty of just gaffes that you don't think a professional baseball player would make. Mm -hmm. So I am very bullish on the fact that, yes, the Reds are six games over 500, and they have a shot to at least fight for a wild card spot. But if I'm being completely honest, it feels like they're hanging on by a thread and, and, and these next six games this week are kind of a big deal. In fact, the next three weeks, the Reds face a lot of teams that you would tab as the teams that a playoff team needs to win a lot mm -hmm. against. Uh, mm -hmm. They're playing the Twins twice, the Pirates four times just this week. So really, I look at this as the ball and the pressure are all on the Reds right now. They've got to perform. This is not a situation where they can come out and split one, two with the or one, one with the uh, twins and 2-2 and with the Pirates and coming out of this week feeling okay. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all this all flows. Yeah. Um, this I is know when that, you see, I was going to say this is when you yeah. see, uh, like you said, playoff teams win, win weeks like this. You know, playoff teams will win five out of these six and uh, teams that aren't destined for the playoffs will split, like you said, a week like this. So this, these are the di this is the difference, really. In 162, it's like, do you take care of business when you need to take care of business? That's That's what it comes down to a lot of times. Yeah, and I, and I know last year the Reds uh, played the Twins. I believe that was like the last two games of the season. Yes, I think. yep, yep. Should have looked at the schedule to remember that. But that was like right when the Reds were in, you know, do or die mode and they were able to play pretty well in that season. Real quick, um, because I want to move on to our probable starters and some things like that. The the loss of Nelson Cruz, how how'd that how did you feel with that? Because I know there were rumors at least and, and whispers and worries around Reds country about if they decided to sell, they could have traded Nick Castellanos. And I know that Reds country would have hated that and had to have eaten four or five fry boxes to get over that. How are, how are twins 
How's Twinsdom handling the Nelson Cruz departure? Twins territory, Jeff, is uh, very, <laughs> very, very sad. I mean, it was a, a really tough day, a day that we knew was coming, I think, for a long time. I had a thank you, Nelson Cruz article ready three weeks before just because you knew like the Twins were never really in it this year. They started five and two. That's when they were in it. They just they were never really in it. It just felt like they were out from from uh, right after that that nice start there in their first seven games. So there was the sense that this was going to happen for a while, which I, I do think that that helped. But to to talk about the impact of him, and I talked with um, you know Lockdown Rays last week, and we just talked about how how special he was here, and not just as a twin, but as a member of the community and in in the city. I mean, he kind of became that guy in the city, and I've I've talked at length about how special he was. We know in the clubhouse, taking Miguel Sano under his wing, such a leader, you know, calm, cool, just confident. He knows how to win. He's been there before, and also he goes out and he's going to hit. You know, 325 with an OPS, 960,000 OPS, crazy, 40 homers. Like the production on the field speaks for itself, but who he is as a person, too. Muhammad Ali, humanitarian award. Um, you know, he's he won the Star Tribune Sports Person of the Year here. Like he made such an impact and he was part of the family, like Twins Territory family for sure. Like he, he was the guy for us these last two and a half years. And it's hard to see him go, but you want to see him succeed in Tampa. And it's one of those things where you lose a guy like that, and he he instantly is someone you cheer for, and his team is a team that you cheer for because he just meant so much to us, I think. And he was such a big part of the turn from the Twins in, in 2017, making the Walker game. 2018 was so disappointing. They go out, they try to find right-handed power, and who else than Nelson Cruz for right-handed power in the free agent market? And uh, he just came in and made an immediate impact. And he he never stopped. He never stopped hitting. He never stopped leading until the minute he left, and I think that that is what I'll take is he just never stopped. They scored two runs last year in the playoffs, two RBI doubles from Nelson Cruz. Like it's it, He never stopped ever, and it's it's crazy how productive he was um, just all around. He's he's amazing. We love him. He's the ageless wonder. He, he's yeah. been a lot of fun to watch do what he does, and I'm interested to see. He's already made an impact on the Rays and how far he could take them. It's it's going to be interesting to see. We are going to talk about some. I did want to starters. ask. You, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I did want to ask you too. Um, there was a quote. I want to say it's 2019 deadline. Nick Castellanos traded to the Cubs, and Thad Levine. <laughs> I think it was Thad Levine, GM of the Twins, said he was talking about the trade deadline, and he said, "Oh, the Cubs got it. I mean, they got a platoon player, Nick Castellanos. He'll be a platoon player for them." And at that time, I I was like, "Yeah, Nick Castellanos can only hit lefties." At that time, and to right. see what he's done as a red and like his second half of the year with the Cubs too, he was unbelievable, but what he's done in Cincinnati, it's, it's still kind of, I know he was a good player and I knew he was a good hitter in Detroit, but it's still kind of like shocking to me how good he's really been. And I watched him here and I was like, God, and I love him. Like I love his, his uh, personality and like how he carries himself. And just to see the way he's hitting nowadays, it's like, wow, has he, it's just, he's become an elite hitter. I don't know. What, what do you think happened to him uh, becoming a red? That is a good question. I, I know that a lot of it had to do in, in the kind of tone, like he hasn't come out and said it, but the kind of tone you could tell whenever somebody asks him is he had just gotten complacent with baseball in Detroit because it was constantly churning and struggling and fighting with no 
real satisfaction at the end of it with the way that Detroit had been toward the end of his tenure there. And when he finally got to Chicago, like the light clicked on, like, hey, baseball is fun, especially Mm -hmm. when you're playing for a team that wants to win baseball games. And so then when he came over to the Reds as well, it was just more the same. And he really latched on it. Players always talk about David Bell being uh, a great manager to play for. And I think it's just because he gets how to balance the game with player egos. And I understand he does analytics and it, it kind of throws fans and, and I've complained about it too. Like there are some things he seems to play around with that almost don't need to be played around with, but at the end of the day, his players will fight for him. And I think Castellanos has just bought into that and really tapped into exactly what he needs to tap into. And he just, you, know, you see it in the box, like he steps in and I, I don't care if he's facing, you know, somebody on the pirates or if he's facing Max Scherzer or Clayton Kershaw, he's like, I'm going to hit you. Like, yep. whatever you're throwing to the plate, you better back the outfield up because it's getting hit. Mm-hmm. And I, even when he came in after he got hit on the wrist in the uh, Brewers series, he was out for a couple of days and we were wondering if he was going to come back. And he comes into the 11th inning against the Mets and he hits a fly ball that barely misses the wall. And when you watch the actual replay as his bat makes contact, he still, his wrist isn't a hundred percent and there's a lot of recoil there. So he doesn't have complete power going through the swing and he missed a home run by like three feet. Yeah. Like most, most guys, the way they hit that it's, it's not going anywhere. So I just, I love him. I can't wait till he's back in the lineup. It's still going to be a little bit. He just started taking BP over the weekend, which is amazing news because the Reds also have guys like Moustakis and Senzel kind of getting close to coming back. So if we get full strength, this could really be interesting. But the way that he has really taken a Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's taken him, like he's got an op, an opt out at the end of this season. That as much as every time he hits a home run, Reds fans scream and cheer and clap and love him. They think in the back of their mind, "Don't opt out, don't, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. opt out, stay, stay." So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But he has been an absolute joy to watch. I, I I've loved to see his renaissance. Unbelievable. But I, it's it but is I, wild. He was because I I mean I it's hard not to say he was a little bit of a platoon player, you know, and that's interesting about like falling in love with baseball again. I also think he he definitely loves hitting there in Cincinnati in Cincinnati oh, as well. Yeah. Like I would love to hit there too. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and and don't get me wrong, there's still defensive gaffes that you yeah, look at. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. yeah, maybe you could be a little bit better, but yeah. I, I think he has improved in that area as well. Sure. But the hitting is just oh, unbelievable. Oh, yeah, Gosh, so monumentally amazing, um, man. I whew, that that got me uh, got me really wishing <laughs> that he'd be back in the lineup here for this series. But we'll see when he's back. Thinking about uh, that uppercut swing, <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. Oh, uh, but I tell you what, we'll we'll talk about some other guys, some key guys who will be in this series here in just a moment. Before we jump into that, though, I wanted to let you know that if you are looking for absolutely amazing dinner options that are healthy for you and your fish lover you got to check out wildalaskancompany.com slash mlb today they've got this amazing offer when you're looking at uh wild alaskan i've been using them for a couple of weeks now absolutely phenomenal seafood what happens is they catch it they flash freeze it they package it and they send it right to you i've had salmon i've had cod i've had halibut I cooked halibut the other day, Nash. I, I, I don't know what I was doing, but I felt like the fanciest dude in the world. And it was amazing. It tasted so good because 
I mean, let's, let's be honest. When you're thinking about living in Ohio, the idea of fresh seafood doesn't exist. You're not going to mm-hmm. catch a fish and throw it from the Atlantic Ocean to Ohio and then, oh, hey, look, fresh seafood. It's just not going to happen. They send you as close to fresh as you can possibly get. And you can check it out today. WildAlaskanCompany.com slash MLB to start. You, you can save a little bit off your first box today and get some amazing seafood. You'll save $15 off that first box at wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. Make sure to use the URL to let them know that me and Nash sent you. All right, so there's two games. This is so weird. I've always thought that a two-game series was strange. It's it's almost like, why not just have a doubleheader? That way you don't even have to pay for a hotel. Uh, but they're going to play for two days, one a night game, one a day game. And game one's going to see Tyler Malley against Kenta Maeda. And I've always enjoyed watching Maeda pitch when he was a Dodger, when he first started out with the Twins. That delivery that he has reminds me of just the fact that he can hesitate, he can change the timing, he can throw hitters off with it. It reminded me of when Johnny Cueto was a Red. And I love Johnny Cueto, and I still wish to this day that we could go back in history and reverse the contract that they gave to Homer Bailey and give it to Johnny Cueto, but whatever. I'm not former bitter. Former twin Homer Bailey, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, former twin Homer. Homer Bailey Wait, threw, man. I think he threw eight innings to the Twins last year, and that, that was it for his Twins career. But <laughs> We might have to talk about stories there. Um, <laughs> but, but when we talk about Kenta Maeda, what are we looking at in 2021? Yeah, I mean, he uh, obviously started the year not the way that that any of us had expected. Finished second for the signing last year. And when I tell you he was lights out, he was lights out. And if it weren't for the year that Shane Bieber had, I think Kenta Maeda would have won the award. I mean, he was so good last year. Uh, just every five days, unbelievably dominant. Every time out. Like, it, it really didn't change throughout the whole 60-game season. And he started this year, just didn't look the same. The slaughter command wasn't there. And what we've said with Kenta, and it's true with a lot of pitchers and and certainly true with, I mean, when you try to get to an ace uh, to get to him in the first or the second inning, and it's been true with Kenta that his command in the first and second inning recently in his career, it's not there usually. And sometimes he can push through it, and he pushed through it a lot in 2020. Once you get him into the second, the third, the fourth inning, uh, he'll settle in, and, and that splitter and that slider, I mean, they're, they're two elite pitches when when he can command them. But this year he was so bad in the first and second inning of games and then just never really settled in. Too many homers. You know, I, I just remember Matt Olson crushing him in Oakland. Like just just too much of that. Uh too yeah, too many long balls. He got destroyed in Chicago. He walked the bases full, I think, in the first inning with nobody out. The command just hasn't been there. But you look at his his July. Uh, I think he had five starts in July. ERA is like two fifteen or two twenty-five in that range. Much, much better. He's had the command of the slider. The splitter's been great. His fastball's back up to 91-92. He got shut down for a little bit, uh, groin slash arm, and I think since he's been back, he's been a lot better. I think he's he's trending back to where we remember him being, maybe not in 2020, but like you say, in LA, um, which is a good third or you know second or third starter. And I think that's, that's what he'll be, hopefully, for the rest of this year because it's really important that he is that. If they want to feel like they can compete next year, Kent Tomato is a huge part of that. But really, when he's on... His stuff and and that slider and that splitter, he's really tough against lefties and righties. Like he can get he can get anyone out when he's commanding those two pitches and, and when his fastball is up 91-92. I think it's an interesting matchup because the Reds do have, you know, they they have 
good right-handed bats. They good, have good left-handed bats. But you mentioned Castellanos is still a little bit of a ways away. But you watch those matchups, the splitter against Winker. I mean, you watch that. Um, I know uh, your buddy Jonathan India has been really, really good. He's a guy uh, watching here that was tough. And it'll be it'll be an interesting matchup, I think, for Kenta. But it's it's also interesting because interesting it's the National League again. And he gets that, uh, I don't want to say free out in the ninth spot, but uh, very close to it on a lot of, a lot of occasions. Yeah, Tyler Malley's not going to really scare him too much with the bat. Malley's ran into a couple, but that's, it's not even, yeah, whatever, like singles. That's all we're talking about here. Uh, when, when I look at Malley on the mound, though, it's going to be interesting. You kind of mentioned the first couple of innings being a kind of kind of a tone setter for what the rest of the game is going to look like with Maeda. It's the same way with Malley. I mean, Malley has been phenomenal. He has shown lots of talent. He has lots of pitches that can really mess with dudes. He's got a split finger. He's got a great fastball. The issue becomes when he gets to two strikes, he really focuses on that out pitch and getting that whiff, getting that swing and miss, getting that like knee buckling breaking ball that just clips the zone. And when it doesn't, he goes to a lot of three ball counts. He goes to a lot of full counts. He really puts himself into a pitch count hole early. There's been a lot of games this year that even when he has looked phenomenal, giving up one and two earned runs, you still look and see, well, he only pitched five and two thirds or he, he made it to six, but man, he threw 110 pitches. Like, yeah. You could see him going a lot deeper into games it's just he seems to get fixated on the strikeouts. So I wonder if there's some essence of Wade Miley that can transfer to him or essence of even rookie Vladimir Gutierrez, who has been phenomenal at making hitters hit his best pitch. I mm-hmm. was kind of talking about this on yesterday's podcast. Um, our One of our uh, radio announcers, Jeff Brantley, the cowboy, he was saying like, everybody always says, get, make the hitter get himself out. That is the wrong mindset. If you're a pitcher, if you're a pitcher, you want to, you want to say, I want him to hit my best pitch because then you throw a good pitch. You, right. You're not just trying to lob one over there. So I, I want to see a little bit of Tyler Malley go deep. I've been saying that for like his last five, six, seven, maybe his last 10 starts. I don't know. I might become a broken record when it comes to Tyler Malley. Uh, but I, I would love to see him go deeper. I think that he has the ability to, and he's got the ability to be a top flight starter. And that's yep. what top flight starters do. They don't cause the bullpen to throw you know, more than they should. And I think he's got the ability to do that. Willie. I'm not sure. And, and that could be a precursor to our bet online uh, segment here coming up in just a moment uh, because the over under is set at nine. And if Maeda has been a little bit erratic with his command, Tyler Malley has been giving up a lot of home runs lately. Could be interesting in great American yeah. small park. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to dive into that. I, I, I want to say, uh, I was going to say, I think Malley, he pitched at target field in game one. Uh, in that little two-game series. And I think what you're saying is, is spot on for how he pitched at target field because I think he loaded the bases at least once, like really racked up a pitch count and kind of wiggled out of it. That's the Twins offense. There's a lot, a lot of starters to do that this year. And I think he ended up doing okay, I want to say, in that game. I think that was the marathon game where it went 14 innings or whatever. Um, oh, but gosh. I think, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I was at that game earlier. <laughs> but that I, was also uh... the game Byron Buxton got hit. Uh, and broke his hand and I remember you mentioned last year too I don't want to get off on a tangent but I remember last year in the the last series Lucas Sims being in uh, Buxton on the head and, and knocked him out of the playoff series I I just I remember the Reds for that uh, recently Jeff the last two times they've seen him is Byron Buxton's gotten beaten but 
Yeah, that's okay. I, I think Mally, I, I remember there were some Reds fans sitting behind me and talking about his velocity a little bit. I think it's fluctuated a little bit this year, if I'm not mistaken. But still, 95-96 with the fastball, like really nice stuff. And I think he's he's a nice piece for them for sure. Absolutely. it's It's been... It's been maddening, and I can I can also see it from like the an opposing fan's point of view, like watching, like, oh, hey, we're about to have a big inning, and then all of a sudden he gets the exact pitch that he needs. Yeah. And from a Reds fan's perspective, we're like, he got that pitch. Really wish he would have gotten that pitch about like fifteen pitches ago, though, mm-hmm. because this inning would have been over a lot sooner. Right. It's it's a maddening perspective, and that and that game. Oh my, I I got another <laughs> another gig where I uh, produce at the radio station that airs Reds games, and I was producing that night, and I was just like, I'm never going home. I'm just going to be here all night. And this game is never going to end. They're going to like rival some kind of cricket match with this. This is never going to end. I think that it was, was 14. <laughs> I don't yeah, I think it ended up being 14. It was the longest. I think it was the longest game in in Major League Baseball of this year. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. And this, I don't want this to get me off on a tangent either. But I don't like the runner on second base rule. Yeah. And uh, but I still, yeah, that's that game. Mm, we're gonna move on. I want to get your take too, because I noticed like, and, and anybody can open up the MLB app at that app and see the probable starters. Luis Castillo is due to pitch the day game on Wednesday, but it says TBD. I wasn't aware that this guy was acquired by the twins, but it must've been <laughs> in one of those trades. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Post deadline or something. Yeah, somebody made a trade. Um, it was the brewers like traded for some blue Jays guy and, just happened like a couple hours ago, but I guess it was non 40 man. I don't know. I pretend to know the rules of trades, (laughs) but whatever. Anyway, what, what are you guys looking for on Wednesday? I mean, things are different now and without Jose Burrios, I think this rotation is different. And I mean, if they would have traded Michael Pineda as well, who's a free agent after this year. So it was a little perplexing that they did not trade Michael Pineda. It was had a nice season Uh, without him. It would even, it'd be even worse, but I think, Maybe Griffin Jacks will be in that spot. It'll probably be a rookie, Jeff. It'll, it'll probably be a, a rookie right-hander. Uh, TBD has good stuff, but he's he's not seasoned quite yet. And I, I do think, for me, when you say Luis Castillo's name, I get excited because he's a guy, and I'm sure this drove you crazy when you probably saw my tweets and, and Twins fans' tweets. He's a guy that Twins fans have, have targeted at Twins Daily. We've talked a ton about Luis Castillo in recent years because – I mean, the stuff is ridiculous. He's got three when he's when he's right, and he's been right recently. He's been so good. It was so it was shocking to me to see him struggle as much as he was. But now that he's back, he's one of my favorite in the game. Like he is the the changeup and the ninety eight ninety nine fastball and the slider when he's on. Like very few have better stuff than Luis Castillo, and I'm I'm a little scared for the Twins to see him in this state. But I think he uh, he's a guy that. I think Reds fans are probably really happy that they held on to even through the struggles early in this season because he's he's unbelievably good. Yeah, man, uh, <laughs> I need like a need like a 4K camera for anybody to make out exactly that that's him. But yeah, that's him, La Piedra, man. I love him. Uh, I, I'm I'm hoping that we get another vintage start out of him. He's been phenomenal lately. I think since June, he's got an ERA right around two. Mm-hmm. So that takes the seven and a half ERA that he had for the first two months of the season. And there were people that were like, send him down. And I'm like, mm, 
it's Luis Castillo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on, man. And, and it was funny because I, I think I even saw some Yankees fans on Twitter, which whatever. But yeah, yeah. Um, saw some Yankees fans on Twitter, like, boy, glad that that fake yeah, uh, yeah. rumor that we were going after him was strong. Glad oh, that was fake. On. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah, you you know you wish. You oh, Jameson Tyon pitched well for them. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jameson Tyon, and I think they got a guy. Well, okay, I was about to hate on a guy named Nestor, but he's actually been really. Yeah, good. he's but, been pretty uh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see somebody else to pick on. Domingo, um, Domingo Herman. Yeah, yeah, Domingo Herman. Yeah, there we yeah, go. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy, we love you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, keep getting off the rails. I love it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, this trade deadline. You mentioned Jose Barrios. So I want to get your thoughts on that here in just a minute. Before we jump into that, though, and I kind of previewed this already, I got a tip for you guys. I like to give a tip to everybody for our sponsor at betonline.ag. Go there today and set up your profile with the promo code locked on to get 50% added onto your initial deposit and Take this tip with you currently right now as we record, which is actually like Monday night. But if you go right now to betonline.ag, the over under for the Reds and Twins game one of Maui against Maeda is set at nine. I think I'd hammer that over. I, I don't know. Like, I, I love Maui and I love Maeda, but the way that they've been pitching lately, the runs are going to be there. It's kind of iffy as to what sort of bullpen game you're going to get from both teams. The Reds have added some talented guys, but on the same side of things, they aren't exactly the best bullpen in the league. This could easily be a 10, 11, 12 run game. Plus, let's not talk about that one really, really long game that took forever to happen, but there were a lot more than nine runs scored in that one too. So, Hammer that over. Go to betonline.ag. Set up your profile with the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 50% more cash than you just put in. So there you go. More money. Plus, take this tip with you. Reds, Twins, over nine. I think it's at minus 115 right now. Take it to the bank. Add a couple of dollars to your uh, BetOnline account there. And make some money off your sports knowledge at the only online sports book that I trust. BetOnline.ag. And, and I'm thinking Nash trusts it, too. I do. I do. We love him. He does. And <laughs> real quick, too, as well, shout out to our sponsor, rockauto.com. They've got all the auto parts that your car will ever need. And when you place your order today, they'll deliver it right to your door. There's no traveling down to the store, worrying about whether or not they got the part in stock, whether the guy on the counter is even typing in the right thing. You can find it at rockauto.com because they can help you find exactly what you need, whether you are the biggest grease monkey in the world or you don't know a tailpipe from a brake pad rockauto.com will help you out there. Plus they've also got a lot of great stuff. If you're looking to restore a classic car, if you need to put carpet in your car, we're not even just talking about the nuts and bolts here. We're talking about even cosmetic stuff. Rock auto has you covered. Check them out today. And in the checkout section in the, how'd you hear about us area type in locked on to let them know that your pals, Jeff and Nash sent you from the locked on reds and twins podcast. That's rockauto.com. And when you're checking out, type in Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us area. RockAuto.com has all of the parts your car will ever need. Longtime sponsor. We love them. We love Rock Auto. All right. So we've talked about this series, and we've talked a lot, and I appreciate you for hanging on because we've talked a lot. Nash, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, but I want to get your take because the Twins made some moves. They they said goodbye to some guys, but I really love that return that they got for Jose Barrios. Do you feel the same? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing you have to say anytime you lose a homegrown star like that is you're you're not excited. I mean, you have to acknowledge that this has gone so poorly this year for them. You have another year of Jose Barrios next year, a year that the Twins expected to be competitive. And I think what it always comes back to for Twins fans and when we think about a competitive window, and I know we use that term way too much, a competitive window, it's the Josh Donaldson contract. You sign Josh Donaldson to a four-year deal for $92 million, a 34-year-old third baseman coming into the 2020 season, that means that you're planning to be competitive for those four seasons, right? You're And especially his first two, and especially his first three, I would say. And, you know, he's dealt with some injuries, but for the most part, the offense has been right where we expected it to be for him. Um, and, and that's why it's disappointing because you look and you say, okay, that's a failure. Because, listen, you were supposed to be competitive next year. And by trading Jose Barrios, that doesn't mean they won't be competitive, but it means that you are significantly impacting how competitive you will be next year. You know, that you're not going to go out and replace Jose Barrios for $8 bucks in free agency. Uh, he was supposed to make 8 to $10 million in arbitration, and he'll be a free agent after that year. And the same token, and we love Jose Barrios, and he's a homegrown star, and he turned out to be everything Twins fans could hope that he would have been. You know, he was, he was great here. Uh, he's in the record books at Target Field. He's in the record books as a twin. Uh, he's he, he's loved. He's beloved here. Same side of the token, you mentioned the return, and it's hard as like a, a podcast host and a guy who loves prospects and like does minor league work for the Twins and like does minor league reports every week to not be like, wow, I, I love that they got Austin Martin and I love that they got Simeon Woods Richardson and especially Austin Martin to get the fifth pick in, from the draft last year. Uh, a guy who, you know, hasn't hit the ball super hard this year but the on-base skills the plate control the discipline he has all the tools to be an impact player for them and it's it's really exciting to think about that you know and, and you get excited about prospects everyone does it's like the best part about baseball uh at times is, is getting excited about prospects so to add i mean i'm pipeline now has added martin as their second best prospect simeon woods richardson is their third so they added two of their top three prospects in the jose barrios deal which is it's hard not to be excited about that uh, so it's mixed emotions because we love Jose. Like, I'm going to miss watching him pitch every fifth day. I watched him pitch for Toronto. It's the weirdest thing. You probably know what that's like, watching, like, long-time Reds, and then they go, it's so weird, and, and it's going to yeah. take a long time to get used to because you're so used to him being here. He's here for 10 years, um, you know, through the minors and in the major league. So it's weird, but I'm really excited to see what Austin Martin does. Selfishly, I'm excited to cover him as a prospect and and to to uh, do all those things. And Simeon Woods-Richardson, too, 20-year-old at AA, and he struggled this year, but – is another top 100 prospect and a guy with with a lot of promise and the twins need that you know they need right-handed pitching and, and just pitching in general in their farm system so it's an exciting return it's a big return i think it's unquestionably a big return but it's 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 mixed emotions jeff i'm sure you know what that's like making a trade like that it's like you're excited but yeah i mean you lost you lost the guy that you hoped would never put on another uniform yeah and i definitely don't want to put any bad vibes on any return because I, I really hope that Austin Martin and, and Woods Richardson are, are really good. But the last round of the Reds rebuild, which was really bad because they really sucked at it. But yeah. whenever they traded away their good players for prospects, they didn't get anything back. Like, yeah, I asked I asked the trivia question the other day. Uh, the Reds got four players for a role Chapman. Name All one four of them. Of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Name one of them. And, and it was hilarious because like some people were like, huh? Um, 
and I, and I got a buddy who knows like all the obscure reds and he got it right away, but of course, but when you add the four together, by the way, shout out Ken at obscure X reds on Twitter. Um, but when you add the four together, they all combine for 80 major league games, whether pitching or in the field, it was, it was bad. And then you talk about the Johnny Cueto trade, which at the time we were all consoling ourselves because national pundits were saying, this is a good trade for the Reds. They're mm-hmm. getting some good guys back. Nobody on that trade is currently in the major leagues. And we all miss Johnny Cueto to death. Every time the Reds face the Giants, it's just like, oh, I can't. Yeah. And and like guys like Jay Bruce, like I was a huge Jay Bruce fan, and it still pains me. You, you talk about like watching your dudes do stuff with other teams. Like he will always be – enshrined in Cleveland Indians lore because he hit the walk-off in that whatever 22nd or 23rd straight win. And so you'll always have that highlight of him hitting the walk-off single. And I'm like, ah, he was a red in India. Yeah, he was a red, yeah. you know, why is he wearing an Indians uniform? Yeah. Which, which in a couple of years we'll be saying, why was he wearing a not guardians <laughs> uniform? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it sucks. And I'm glad that the Reds decided to add because the Reds were kind of in a spot with the fan base right now that if they even thought about the word rebuild, there'd be a bunch of people that would like set, which it's all digital this year, so it really wouldn't work. They'd be sitting in their phones on the front step, but they'd be saying their season tickets on the front step. Like they'd be done. There's yeah. no more rebuilding because they sucked at it the last time. You, you tell them that we're going to get a playoff berth out of a 60 game season that they don't score any runs in 22 innings and they're going to rebuild again. Like that that wouldn't happen. So at least they tried to address their needs needs that they created this last off season. So it's like a fireman who set the fire and then put the fire out, but they added some guys that at least can help stabilize the bullpen a little bit. So I feel ish yeah, about, the trade deadline. I don't feel completely like let's go to the playoffs, baby. But I also don't feel like I hate everything right now. Yeah. So I, I I'm like, let's, let's wait and see. Let's see. Because so far the impact of Givens and Wilson and Sessa have been all right. I mean, Sessa got killed by the ghost runner the other night, but that's beside the point. So we'll, we'll see exactly what this brings to the Reds team. But I think that especially with the news, which I hate this news because I love watching them play, but with the news about Fernando Tatis, that really could put this wild card race a lot closer than the Reds originally thought, because I thought coming into the season, there's no way the Reds get a wild card. They have mm-hmm. to win the division. And right now the wild card looks a lot more attainable than the division. Yeah. I mean that even a week ago that was not true. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's it's really changed because of and it's it's crazy that Tatis has that big of an impact, but he does. Uh, you know, he does have that big yeah. of an impact. It's interesting. Twins just lost two out of three to the Cardinals. I wish I wish we could have helped you there. Um, you know, they're, it's they're, okay. They're, they're behind us. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cards are back there, but the cards are interesting to me too. It's it's an interesting division, I think, For and sure. the Cubs are, are bowing out, but. Milwaukee, just the way they've pitched has been uh it's been unbelievable. That that rotation is is unbelievable. But also, like every team in the division, you look at Milwaukee and and they've got, I mean, Willie Adamas became like a new player. I mean, I don't it's unbelievable what he's doing. But I wonder because they're they're cutting Peralta's innings now. You wonder if they're gonna do that with Burns, because Burns doesn't have a long track record of throwing a bunch of innings. So and I, I just think teams and this was talked about all offseason, and people just I guess stopped talking about it. In this second half, to get quality innings, I think is going to be harder than ever. I think it's going to be really difficult. I think you're going to see a lot of aisle stints, unfortunately, for pitchers. I think you're going to see guys dialed back like Peralta and Burns or Woodruff and whoever who have not thrown this many innings. Like the Phillies are running Zach Wheeler 
he's I think he's at 150 innings already. It's like, dude, it's August 2nd. You know what I mean? And yeah, the <laughs> season last year, those things matter. They're going to matter. And I think it's going to matter in the NL Central. I think it's going to matter with Milwaukee. Milwaukee's one of those teams, like I've said, I think they're going to win the division, but also they're one of those teams where like you're waiting a little bit for a little skid. You know what I mean? And Yelich yeah. isn't playing the way you're used to Yelich playing. And the offense hasn't really been there. And then the staff has been just unbelievable. But it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I think St. Louis, uh, it seems like they're lurking a little bit, waiting for Flaherty to come back and waiting for Michaelis to come back. I still like the Reds offense a lot more, though. They got to get Castellanos and uh, get that thing rolling again. But how fun has it been to watch Jonathan India go to work? Oh, my gosh. I love Jonathan India so much. And uh, like you kind of the way that you profiled Woods Richardson remind me of India's profile in the minor leagues. Everybody was worried about the pop. They're like, where's the pop? Of course, a lot of the struggles came down in the Florida State League, which we all know about that. Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of wondered, like, all right, what are the Reds really going to get out of this kid? And then he really takes off in spring training, and they hand him the reins of second base. And it's like, all right, let's see what we got. And he just continues to impress. Every time you think you've seen the levels of a rookie, the levels of talent that he has, he just steps it up. Like I was looking at it the other day, the best, this is the best uh, leadoff hitting season for the Reds since Shinsu Chu. Mm. And that is a name that all Reds fans love and mm-hmm. hindsight's 2020. And you kind of wish they would have kept him and not handed the reins to Billy Hamilton so quickly because Billy Hamilton didn't know how to take a ball, but yep. that's whatever, you know, you can, plus the Rangers gave him like a gajillion billion dollars. They're, Reds weren't going to do that, mm-hmm. but I, I look at this and I say this has been an absolute gold mine because before he got called up this year, I've constantly banged the drum of put him in a deal. They could probably get something for this dude. They could trade him and get a talented arm. They could trade him and get a talented bat. Something. And now I'm like, man, I'm really glad they didn't trade this guy. This guy's <laughs> a lot of fun that to watch. <laughs> yeah. I love when that happens. <laughs> I love being wrong about that yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. I, I don't I like that. being wrong about optimism. Anything but I else. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was. Um, it, it, it's been a blast to see. I kind of wish, although, and it's easy to point like. He started the year with a walk-up song of the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song. He's since changed it to something completely different. And I I was like, man, I still kind of wish he had that Pirates of the Caribbean theme song because it was really cool. But I don't think he was all in on the nickname, the Red Sparrow. That's why it's really not been out there that much lately. And and uh yeah so and plus i think he really took off whenever he changed the the walk-up music which as we all know is the key to most hitters success that's why king griffey jr always walked up to gwen stefani when he was in a reds uniform um but yeah (laughs) i wanted to ask you one more thing about the deadline jeff because the reds i was talking uh one of my buddies we're at the twins game and we're talking about a landing spot for Anderson Simmons, who's been so bad this year. But defensively, looking like outs above that. I really, I mean, I want him off the Twins at this point. I think, uh, I think a lot of Twins fans have have soured on him quickly. And he's a one year deal, ten and a half million. I think what we expected was not like a five eighty five OPS, and and uh, you know, looks like he can't hit. But the defense has been has been there, and you thought maybe a team would want him at the deadline, and a team that kept coming up was the Reds for a shortstop for Anderson Simmons, and it doesn't sound like they got any offers for Simmons. Uh, did that surprise you at all? Like, Did his name come up to you at all as you were moving up to the deadline when you talked about it? 
For sure. I mean, the idea of the Reds bringing in a shortstop was up there with the bullpen. Uh, it's interesting because Baseball America gave the Reds a C at the trade deadline because they didn't bring in a shortstop. And as much as I had banged the drum, like, go get one or figure out if Jose Barrero is ready or something like that, because we all thought maybe a Eugenio Suarez would find a renaissance there, and he didn't, and it was really, really bad. So we don't want to see that again. Kyle Farmer took off, and it's really hard to argue against the fact that the Reds have decided to just keep rolling with him because in the month of July, he hit 395, and he had an OPS of like nine. It's like 900 something. And in the first 15 games after the all-star break, he's got an OPS of 1215 and he's hit more extra base hits than he has strikeouts right now. So it's like, there's some kind of weird voodoo magic going on with him. And honestly, I, I kind of sort of tongue in cheek joke because obviously Joey absolutely deserved to be player of the month for the month of July. But I tongue, I kind of had a joke of like, well, he just narrowly edged out Kyle farmer. Uh, because he had such a great month of July as well in the month that probably was a make or break month for him specifically because there was talk in spring training of handing him the shortstop job and then they didn't. And so you were wondering, all right, are they just going to treat him as a super utility player? And then whenever Suarez kind of stunk and there were a lot of injuries to Senzel and Moustaka, so Suarez had to play third base then, you're like, all right, well, I guess we'll give Kyle Farmer playing time. And for a while there, he had an OPS of like 620. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, this just isn't working. But now you look at it and you're like, uh, maybe he can at least hold on to the reins until Barrero is ready either this year or next year. Because that was always the case too, was if you acquire any shortstop, be it Simmons, or if you went out and you got Story or something like that, you're okay with the fact being a rental because yeah. Barrero is the future and the future is next year. Uh, but I, I, I am... I don't think I, I don't think I mind them missing on Simmons because I think they were I think they were I think they were in on Willie Adamas earlier yeah. and they yeah. got beat out by the Brewers and after they couldn't get Adamas they just didn't really go hard on anybody else because yeah. I think Story was going to cost too much. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Story might have cost. Nah, Story probably wouldn't cost Barrero, but you know that's probably what the Rockies they have no idea what's going on. They were probably asking for oh, something man. like that. <laughs> I bet I bet they were asking teams like I, I said this before the deadline. I think the Rockies, if you're trading for Trevor Story, you're also trading for Nolan Arenado because they yeah. got they just got hosed so bad yeah. on that deal. Yeah. They were going to try and make it up with Trevor yep. Story. Yep, you can't. You can't at this yeah. point. You know, you just can't. And now he, he takes himself out of the lineup. It's like, oh, oh. what are you guys doing? It's just it's yeah, tough you to really watch. burn that it's one. Tough to watch. Yeah. I feel for our buddy Paul Holden. He was he was having a he was having a fit on the uh, trade deadline show. He was just like, "What is Colorado I doing?" I bet. Oh my gosh, Nash, this has been a lot of fun, and we've gone Thanks, way Jeff. over time. This is like awesomely <laughs> long. Like people are going to yeah. be like, "Whoa, you normally do like 25, 30 minutes. What is this forty-seven minute nonsense?" But uh, <laughs> I've, I've had a lot of fun, and I hope that uh, you have as well. Appreciate getting to talk with you. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Really fun, and I'm sure we could chat all night about uh, just baseball. But I do. Uh, people are like people who listen to Lockdown Twins are going to think I say this to every host, and they probably think I say this to every host. But the Reds are really fun. I cheer for the Reds, except when they're playing the Twins, of course. But I hope I hope that they make a run here because I think the Central's interesting, and I think now you mentioned the wild card. I, I hope the Reds uh, go on a little run here. They're fun. 
Well, it's easy to root for anybody that's not the White Sox, right? Hundred percent. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started. Hundred percent. That's us. That organization is gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, hey Nash, uh, shout out your social that way. Uh, Reds fans can follow you for this series. Yeah, at Nash Walker Nine on Twitter at Locked On Twins the show. And uh, yeah, just a couple of days I'll be talking. Probably shoot a Jesse Winker note out there or something. And uh, Luis Castillo, my guy, who's going to be a future twin. And uh, <laughs> yeah, at Nash Walker Nine is the Twitter handle. And then. Uh, for Twins fans, Jeff, where, where can they find you? You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. I'll have a lot to say. I usually tweet a lot during games, and I'm going to be down there on Tuesday, so I might not actually tweet a ton that night, but that means I'll get to do a Locked On Now from the stadium, which are like my favorite Locked On Nows. Sweet. Thanks, Jeff. That was fun. Yeah, Nash, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, thank you all for watching and listening to the Locked On Reds podcast and the Locked On Twins as we are crossing over here for this episode. Make sure you follow both of our podcasts on your favorite podcasting app and you're subscribed right here on YouTube. But as for Nash Walker, I'm Jeff Carr. This has been the Locked On Reds podcast. We'll see you guys, talk to you guys tomorrow. Now go check out the Locked On Bets podcast. I gave you a tip earlier. You can find some more tips on the Locked On Bets podcast wherever you get your podcasts. They will help you make some money at betonline.ag. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.